Don't ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. As Eric said, I am your host, Stacey Heller. Today, I am joined by Brett Hill, and I am very excited. Yay! I, it has been a long time since I have had the pleasure of spending time with Brett, and he is somebody that I, I've described him in the past as uh, somebody who I could like circle around three times like a dog <laughs> at his feet and just plunk down and take a nap. Yeah, it's a thing. So uh, if you can't listen live, no problem. I got a problem or I've got a solution for that. You can listen later. You can either text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 or you can find the show on your favorite podcast platform and you can subscribe and you will get a nice little email in your inbox that is telling you that I have a story to tell. So if you would like to call in, you can also do that. The number is 425-373-5527. I'll say it again, 425-373-5527. Or you can connect with me through email, uh, you can, or you can go to my website, actually. It is stacyconnects.com, and go ahead and reach out to me. Okay, so I have to do my week in review. Uh, before I even, though, get into it, I want to say hi to Glop, of course. Mom, how are you? But really today it is about Diane because as the baby of the trio, it is her birthday. Woohoo! Right? So Diane, I would say that she's catching up to the others, except they keep aging too. So it doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually yesterday was my dad's birthday and in a typically irreverent dialogue that we had via text we you know we all think of my dad who's now passed and and wishing him a happy birthday and all of that and um my mom said you know oh I miss him and my brother said well look at it this way every year you're getting closer to him (laughs) (laughs) and I said well and he hasn't aged a bit so you know Again, a little inappropriate, so now you know where I get it from. So happy birthday, Diane. I hope you are celebrating with the girls and having fun. And try not to drink so much that you can't fully enjoy the show today. So let's move on. The big thing of this week is that Grace is home. Now, I have four children, so it's not like Grace is the the center point. It's just that Grace is a lot she is like she's home with her bags of which she had a couple her virtual boy who is adorable i haven't met him a virtual boy uh, well he's real to her but for me i've only seen him I like see. okay. you know via facetime or pictures <laughs> or whatever um and as is the modern way they are not defining what their relationship is i have just now talked about it on the air for everyone to hear <laughs> so it's fine whatever but he's not a tamagotchi he is not a Tamagotchi. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to clear that up because I had the same question. You yeah. Know, virtual boy. That, yeah, that, so cool. that's a good question. And <laughs> like she's of that generation. So like a Tamagotchi. And I will tell you that if he were a Tamagotchi, he would definitely be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing the buttons and checking to make sure he's still alive. She would forget to check to make sure he's still alive. <laughs> 
So, and actually, and this is what I want to talk about. So, and she also has this amazing bravado. So, she's also worn out and sick, which is totally on par for her. She, you know, she kind of goes full speed with school and she throws herself into it. And then she comes home and the first week or so, she's typically sick. So, here's what I have noticed. Very often I'll say, oh, my gosh, you're so much like me or you're so much like your father. I also have noticed that she is a lot like my brother, Jay. Now, Jay has this like big, bright star of a personality. He always has. He just, it's this magnetic thing. He's kind. He's intelligent. He's very socially savvy. So people are really drawn to him and to her. So, again, the similarities. However, what I've noticed is that they can burn so bright that Mm -hmm. they burn out. Mm -hmm. It is a lot to keep that going. And so then what happens is if you are normally in that sphere of theirs, then when they burn out, you can feel shaded. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for somebody who in her Uh, Myers-Briggs, I sort of wonder if she's like at the 50-50 line for introvert-extrovert because she definitely gets energized being around other people. However, she also needs to get re-energized by being without people. So can I ask you a question about that? Please. The shaded thing. I'm curious about how how you feel that. Is that something that is projected onto you or just a, a something you adopt because of the way she's being? I think what happens is, and I noticed this for, she and I had this conversation in a Bartels parking lot. And she was <laughs> talking about this concept that her friends will get very frustrated with her because she will leave them unread with texts and things like that. Mm. And what she learned in doing some research about her ADHD and the chemistry behind it and how it works and how it may manifest is that you're sort of that whole expression like out of sight, out of mind. With ADHD, that's how it is. So if you see somebody daily and they're part of your routine, then they're going to be top of mind. If there's somebody that, you know, like she's in college, so a friend from home that she doesn't text as often, it's not that she doesn't love them or miss them or want to spend time with them or enjoy them or wonder how they are. It's that the way her mind works is that she just doesn't think to do that. And I feel the same way. Hmm. So I always feel like I need to apologize to my friends or I need to let them know, hey, listen, by the way, this is how I'm built. And so if you want to hang out with me, please reach out to me because I'm not going to reach out to you. Not because I don't want to, not because I don't care, not because I don't want to know how you are, how your kids are, your life or your job. I just don't have the bandwidth. So as a 51-year-old, I have the ability to say that as a 20-year-old, I don't think she's as equipped to articulate that. Yeah, well, that's a pretty advanced sort of, you know, thing to say to somebody Mm -hmm. and and to help kind of take them off the hook and take yourself off the hook. So, hey, by the way, it's not personal. This is just the way I roll. Know that about yourself. Take some time. Right. And take some courage. So I'm, I'm guessing you had to... You went through some iterations of saying that kind of thing where it was a little awkward. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and where friends were, you know, 
Didn't take it well, necessarily? Well, and just sort of felt like, hey, you know, you never seem to reach out and, yeah. you know, like, let's get together, go for a walk or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm the person that throws, like, the big party or the open house because that's a way for me to collect that's all of my— That's your way of, of reaching my... out. You're, yes. you're gathering your tribe, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. And COVID has not helped with that. Yeah, of course. And so that's been really hard for me because— I will have a thought about someone and it's never at a time when it's convenient as in I'm driving or I'm in the shower or, you know, I'm (laughs) lying in bed at night or whatever it is. And so my spirit is very much like, oh, let me reach out and see how this person is doing. If Mm -hmm. they came into my mind, there's a reason. Let me follow up. And then, bam, it just it doesn't happen. Time moves on. Right. Exactly. So I think that it's perceived then as shade because it was. When you're in the presence of somebody that is like my brother, like Grace, and probably like me, it feels like such a bright, like, warmth and sun. So then when you yeah, don't get it. you're just a ray of sunshine in people's lives. Well, <laughs> thanks. And you um, are. And you are. And I, I think then when that's not on anymore, you feel like, geez, what happened? Yeah. And so it feels quite literally like shade. And um, I see. So it's a contrast. It's a thing of contrast. Yes. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a very uh, a very rich answer. It it's I really I think about things. I actually deep think about things. Um, <laughs> and I I would imagine that trying to maintain and I don't know why I'm imagining it. I know because again I'm like this trying to maintain that level of energy for other people is exhausting. Yes, exactly. It would be because you're doing it for other. people. Right. And there's a, you know, I get interested in, because the way I roll, I always like to know, well, what's what's the driver here? What's the what's the fuel for the engine that I've got to do this for them? Mm-hmm. I get really curious. About well, that. and there's that expectation because it seems to be so effortless. And it is. It's genuinely how we are when we're, we're doing it. And then when we need that time to reboot or regroup in order to have you know, make sure that we have, um, we're mentally and physically whole for ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's such a contrast that people take it personally. I see. So, Mm. um, so speaking of young angst, when I was visiting my mother, um, we were going through her files and I found letters that I had written to my parents at the time. I gave them Christmas books or books for Christmas and letters as to why I gave them. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) angsty. (laughs) So angsty and like, you know, deep thoughts for somebody that was so young. So I found my life journal. I I even have it with me. It's like, I mean, and, this and how old were you? 19, 18 19. and 19. So this is like blast from the past here. This, this, is, this is like you can listen to the, the papers like it has that like old papers type thing. And, and I'm looking at an old journal here that's like multicolored stain and there's uh-huh. papers all sticking out oh, of it. Totally. And, you know, it's like oh my poems gosh. that I've collected. So I was looking through this because I, you know, once I opened Pandora's box <laughs> and I found not just the letters that I wrote to my parents and my siblings. I found quotes that I collected that are so interesting. I found an entry um, that was fascinating, and it talks about, uh, I have a line in there that says how uh, Diet Coke and gin took the place of high C and milk 
uh, too fast for even indigestion to set in. And the fact that I wrote that at 19 and Diet Coke and gin are my drinks. There you go. I mean, I'm a... So you were, you were in connection with your your soul essence even then. I apparently. <laughs> so I I typed up a sample that is I can share of what I wrote. Here's one entry. I'm a wannabe. I want to be everything. I don't think I believe in reincarnation. And yet in one of my former lives, I'm convinced I was a cat. There you go. Why do I feel like I have roots in the Yoruba people? Their music has a kick and beat like iced teas. But he's offensive because I'm a girl and I should be appalled by his treatment of women. Shh, don't tell. I'm not. Maybe I was a male cat. I'm an art history major. Translation, I'm totally unsure about what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. I would like to curl up on a couch in the sun. I want to be at peace. There you go. Like, angsty, thoughtful, I still want to lay down in the sun. <laughs> hey, who doesn't? Yeah. Right? <laughs> So, um, so yeah, that has been a very interesting thing to go through this journal and see the threads that were there then, that are there now, mm-hmm. and it, it's a very interesting thing, which leads me to my stasiism. My stasiism of the week is that our children are meant to teach us. So watching Grace and what she's going through trying to make sure that I hear what she's saying, even if it's not with words. You know, my natural inclination is that when she complains about one thing, I'm like, well, you know, by the way, you need to do this or you need to do that or whatever. And I I parent and I'm not necessarily always listening to what she's saying, which is that I'm overwhelmed. I'm exhausted. I need permission to regroup and reboot and I don't know how to do this. I don't have the words. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder that we need to listen. And if we don't get it, then just like in school, we need to ask questions. Because kids, for as much as, you know, when they're two or when they're 20, as much as you have to translate stuff, they are telling their truth. Yeah, I was telling my truth right. in this journal. However convoluted it was. Well, I, and I and I, I I hear you so well. It's like, a, and I think they're trying really hard to learn how to do that. And mm-hmm. the, and there's a lot of value on meaningful communication. And I remember I was so serious when I was that age, you know, and a deep poet, right. you know, it's like, <laughs> what's the meaning of life? And wrestling with concepts like infinity and eternity. I mean, really concerned about it. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, like. Forget about, you know, what I was going to wear, you know, (laughs) like whatever. I was like deep thoughts. So anyway, so just a reminder for folks before we go to break here that, you know, go back. And if you were that thoughtful kid, then there is a very good chance that you have a thoughtful kid. And remember that they are likely trying to show you something or share something with you or teach you something. And, you know, be a student. Mm, Beautiful. There we go. All right, we're going to take a short break, and then we will be back with Don't Ask Me to Talk and with Brett Hill. We'll be right back.
Hi, I'm JDK Winnikin, host of This Show Is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show Is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited working hard to put a smile on your face alternative talk 1150 don't ask me to talk welcome back to don't ask me to talk i am stacy heller i'm here with brett and brett is many things i mentioned at the top of the show that he is somebody who is incredibly enthusiastic about connecting with people and has this wonderful energy and it is very calming I was actually introduced to Brett through my guest from last week, Mary Gleason, and she put together a circle of people with similar interests, likes, talents, abilities, and it was a fascinating group of people, and I think everything happens for a reason, season, or lifetime, and and maybe there was, or I don't know which one that was. That was It wasn't a lifetime because we're not meeting anymore, so <laughs> it was either a reason or a season. Either way... Um, I got to meet Brett, and I really love spending time with you because Mm. it slows me down. Thank you. It it makes me more thoughtful, and it makes sense because you are a mindfulness coach. Yep. And you talk about the language of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And here I was talking about, in my Stacyism, the, the way that kids express themselves and you know, the language of mindfulness is not necessarily through words, I would imagine. Exactly that. And it's like you said uh, so beautifully about, you know, learning to listen and the part of you that becomes aware that that's needed is a mindful awareness. Suddenly you're going, well, instead of talking or trying to figure this out, I need to just listen. That part of you that's paying attention to that Mm -hmm. is being very present with your experience long enough to have a um, considered response rather than an automatic reply, like, oh, how do I fix this? Or what do I, how do I get in here and make this work? And I've got to do this and I've got to pump her up and I've got to take it. And all that, you know, kind of um, anxiety or, or fluff that can come up around trying to manage it. Because mm-hmm. you're very good at, I can manage this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's like that part, but there's another part of you that, well, the way to manage this is to just not try. That's a very different approach. And 
and then and then I thought it was great because what you said was ask questions, which is a, a an excellent response to lots of things where your impulse is to interject, mm-hmm. and you take a breath and you go well instead of just being on automatic and trying to get more details and figure things out, I'm just going to lay back and ask questions. Mm-hmm. And the other beautiful thing that I call this in my teachings or my training, um, uh, managing the spotlight. It's like letting them have the focus instead of trying to be about solutions. Mm-hmm. You just say, oh, let's tell me more about that. What's going on? It reminds me of a few things. One, I am terrible at managing the spotlight. <laughs> I for for the theater kid that was in the uh, stage crew all the time, I am suddenly a spotlight hog, which I'm like, what? I mean, by virtue of the show name, don't ask me to talk. Well, right. I mean, you're you're like you were talking about this sort of effervescent sort of person who has a lot to say and you're fast and you're quick and you're insightful. And so you go places faster than a lot of people around you. And that's hard to slow down. And furthermore, you know, from my experience of it, it's worth listening to. It's kind of like you're not just rambling nonsense. You're actually a cogent stream of consciousness. And also from what I've learned about you is that, yes, you're fast, but there's a part of you that's paying attention in a deeper way that might not be the one who's speaking but there's a part of you that is watching from another place. And it's yes. interesting. It's interesting uh, thing about it. Yeah, that's true. Thank you for that observation. The other thing that your statement reminds me of is this idea of uh, differentiating here, help and handle that, you know, when in a situation to try to be mindful about asking the person, OK, do you want me to hear you? Mm-hmm. Which is just. I'm going to put down my pencil. I'm going to put down my preconceived notions or my ideas. I'm just going to hear you. Do you want me to help you? So now I need to be a more active listener that is finding ways that we can collaborate and solve for something. Or do you want me to just handle this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was talking with Grace earlier, what I found is that I went instantly into handle mode, which then she perceives as, you know, she's getting yelled at. And so I then came back and I said, I want to apologize. Mm, and, you know, nice. one of my stasisms is you don't have to apologize necessarily for the message if it's one of love, but the delivery it's important to apologize for. And so, you know, I said, my message is the same that, like, let's see how we can help. However, my delivery was not so great. Yeah, that's beautiful awareness and, and kudos for coming back to the table with that and and saying, you know, from the part of, once again, that part of you that reflected and go, oh, you know, I wasn't really alignment. This is an alignment issue, right? It's like the the way I was coming across was not in alignment with the way I meant to be or the way I felt I want to be. And then coming back and saying, you know, I'm, you know, sorry about that. You know, let's re let's redo that. Let's take two. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. You know, Exactly. Let me try to tell you. Now, so mindfulness is something that has really come on my radar. Mm. And if I'm a typical sample of, I don't know, somebody that's moderately aware of what's going on in the world, <laughs> is is this concept new? It feels like it's Eastern philosophy meets now like being accepted into Western practice and it's more readily accepted is it something that is is it 
A, it's so I already answered, I guess, the question. It's not necessarily new. So then the next question is, am I becoming aware of it because it's a trend that is happening? It's more widely accepted. Or is it because of the age and stage that I'm in? Well, it can be a both and. And I also think it's not just you. I think it's a cultural phenomenon. Um, we, I feel like we're reaching a point in the, the stage of the world, but this country in particular, where people are being called on to look at who they are in a deeper way than ever before. I mean, the impact of COVID, for example, mm-hmm. is just huge in terms of, oh, my gosh, I have to be home by myself. Or with, you know, my, my others like in a cloistered situation. Like right. I have to see myself and get real with who I am and what's my life like in a way that people really haven't had to do before. Mm-hmm. And so there's that plus the the Black Lives Matter movement and this, you know, Me political too, scenario. And Me too. All of this mm-hmm. really causing people to look at who are we and what is my role in all of this in a, in a much more profound way, I think, in sincere way. By profound, I mean sincere there's enough heat in it mm-hmm. to cause people to really have to sit down and, and take a good look at that. And that's, and that's causing all kinds of, of um, reverberations uh, through business like, you know, Google, uh, Microsoft, Aetna, others, really major corporations are implementing mindfulness programs mm-hmm. because it makes business sense as well as it's just a good thing to do. Sure. And so that's brand new. You right. Know, we've never seen anything like this before. So what's the impact of having, you know, millions and millions of people starting to become more present with what their actual experience is in the moment? Mm -hmm. Right. And understanding that that moment, which, you know, I what I'm thinking of specifically is in the news this week, there's been a lot about Chrissy Teigen, who is a prolific tweeter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's a darling of Twitter and that she, you know, very unfiltered, unedited, will will tweet things. And. She is now having to reconcile with past tweets about Mm -hmm. people on TV and reality TV where there's a knee-jerk tweet of 144 characters, which Mm -hmm. is a moment. And suddenly those moments that you've had are catching up more so than in the past. You know, when 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 our forefathers, (laughs) a.k.a. like, you know, my kid's middle school teacher said, whatever you put out on the Internet, it's there forever. That's right. It's there forever. And so this whole idea of because things can happen in such real time, it's so important to slow down and be mindful. It really is. And for that reason, plus also because it's the only way to really get deeper with who you want to be, the relationships you want to have. Like you coming back to your daughter and going, you know, I want to have you're really saying I care enough about this relationship to try harder to be real. And isn't that what we need more of in this world in our lives? And what do we have to do to do that? And if there was a set of behaviors, things that you could do to facilitate that in your life and in yourself, wouldn't you want to do them? Uh And that's the answer to the question of like, well, why should I begin a mindfulness practice? Why should I even care? And and to me, it's, it's really about our, it's about our survival as a species. Uh Because it, if if without mindfulness we're going to we're going to wreck the place we're going to wreck each other right well and it's to me it's also interesting to see this trend you know with social media and you know even if it's on linkedin or instagram or twitter or twitch or clubhouse or whatever it is mm-hmm. 
it's this whole idea of what you present. And it's, you know, even for my podcast, you know, it's like, hey, like, subscribe, comment, you know, mm-hmm. follow, uh, you know, all yeah. these different things. And it's a very qualitative life that we lead. How much money do you make? How many followers do you have? Yep. How many square feet do you live in? You know, whatever it is. And so there's that trajectory that the world is on and seems to value. And yet there's also this this part of us that's like, nope. And we understand yeah. that we need qualitative connection with people. And this idea of mindfulness Mm-hmm. And understanding the language of mindfulness is is huge. It's it's so huge. That's why I'm all I'm doing is trying to help people become aware of that. This is the uh, an easy way for people to really up level the quality of their lives and the quality of the life of people around them. Because when you become more present and thoughtful and aligned with yourself, it improves your relationships with everyone around you. It improves the productivity that you have it improves your insight your ability to support and help and and be present with other people that helps like your you coming back to your daughter and saying you know i want to be different uh this helps her recalibrate herself and 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 you're supporting her like get her own energy back and ground herself revitalize and that acts as a model for as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and so there's just so many ways that it's that it's healing and helpful that's to and it's free. And it's in the, right. And it doesn't cost anything. Right. And it doesn't take that much to make big changes and to to get better. That's the other thing about it. Now, given what you used to do for a living, yes. which you can let listeners know what that is, what led you to make this shift? Right. So I was in technology for a lot of years. You know, I was uh, like a technical evangelist for Microsoft and. Um, you know, principal marketing engineer for another company and that kind of thing. So I was pretty deep technically and can talk tech with the, you know, the nerds of the world. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I, and I really do love that. I'm still a, a geek in many, many ways. Um, under the hood, though, is uh, this fascination I have with how things work. It's sort of like when I was a kid, I liked to take things apart. I was always taking the toys apart. Like, what? how does this thing work? Like, how, what makes that thing light up? And so I would, you know, really literally take things apart to see how they work. And that extended eventually to uh, people. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to know how I worked. What are the mechanics of my own thought processes, my own feelings? What? Are, how do we talk to each other? How do people get persuaded? How do people get attracted to each other? What are the, the things that go into that? And you know, just literally the mechanics of it, but mm-hmm. then also now the neurobiology and the neurochemistry of those things and the psychology. And so I started studying, um, I have a, a bunch of crazy stories about meditation and and um, and I had some big experiences that way that caused me to kind of look inside very closely and, and, and work oh, pretty hard to kind of make some inroads into who am I mm-hmm. and, and having some ground in um, you know, getting connected to kind of a bigger picture than just, oh, m- my little skin and bones package walking around the world that were actually, you know, a connected whole and uh, making that a reality for my, my moment-to-moment perception as much as I can. Um, and then trying to get some a handle on of uh, models and frameworks for 
the psychoanalytic part, like how do we get wounded and why do we go so bad? How do things go so wrong for us? That right. We get so weird and we hurt each other and, we're, and we withdraw from caring and we aren't able to take care of what is that about? Well, right. It's a loop know, that we stay in. Yeah. And, and we self-perpetuate this insanity. And why? And how do you fix those things? So I studied with uh, some amazing psycho- psychotherapists and somatic psychology. And I learned a great deal about that and then group dynamics. And, and so all of this over the, over the years kind of culminated in um, what I would call a foundational, an awareness of what I call a foundational practice. And I can, t- I can tell a story about this if we have time for a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go for it. So there's a, um, when I was in Boulder, I, I uh, was uh, doing a lot of movement work. And I was studying contact improvisation because you can be mindful. You don't have to meditate to be mindful because you can do it somatically with your body as well. Okay. And I was very interested in that. And so I was doing uh, contact improvisation and we had a little performing group. And I um, had, in a, uh, as a young boy, like 18, 19, um, you know, young boy, but a young man, um, studied martial arts. Okay. And so there was a guy in Boulder who was a world-class Aikido teacher. And I wasn't a student of Aikido, but he put out a flyer one day that said, learn Aikido movement. And oh. Aikido movement, what's that? And he goes, yeah, this is for people who don't want to be students, but want to learn what we know about moving. And I thought, oh, my God, that's perfect. I've got to go learn from this guy who's like a super high-end master mm-hmm. uh, what, he, what he has to say. So I went in, in, uh, to the class, and he taught us a couple of, of techniques. And one of them was uh, a movement they called Arimi, where it's a simple step where you just step and you turn, and you step and you turn back and forth. Um, uh, and it's kind of a 360-degree turn, very simple. But he, as he did it, he said this one thing. He said, all of Aikido is in this one movement. And I, th- and I thought about that because it really hit me. It's kind of like, well, wait, here you guy. Here you guy is a, like one of five in, uh, of his caliber in the world. And mm-hmm. he's telling me at the end of all of this study and all this mastery that if I just do this one thing and I really, really do it, then I'll get all of Aikido. And it introduced this notion to me about a, what I call a foundational practice. Like, oh, I could just not do any of the studies I could just really get present with this mm-hmm. and it would teach me everything I need to know and I just walked away from that experience with well what else is there like that right you know it's like city slickers when Curly says to Mitch like <laughs> you know the meaning of life is one thing yes and exactly. you have to figure out what it is right and so I got very interested in that and um and so you know I pursued a whole bunch of studies like I mentioned and I got some things reduced down to kind of, I feel like, kind of a short form. Mm-hmm. And one of those foundational practices is mindfulness. That If you really learn to be present with your experience in the moment, it opens doors that are so big and so vast that you can't even describe them. And so it's, and it's impossible to tell people, oh, my gosh, the view is great from over here because right. they, can't, they haven't seen it. It's kind of like holding up a picture of the Grand Canyon and going, you know, this is really a great place. You ought to go. Right. It's just a picture to people. You know? They're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can say things like, you know, this is going to help you. And you can have people, uh, people can have experiences that begin to show them that, yeah, this is actually making a difference. And it, and when they start to practice it, uh, you know, it can be a little hard at first, but once you get going with it, you begin to realize that, oh, my God, 
there are diamonds at my feet that I never even noticed before. Mm-hmm. And I've spent my whole life looking for jewels. Right. And it's that kind of a thing. Or suddenly you realize the answer. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, she says, I'm never going to leave home. Everything I need has always been here. It's right. like that. On the end of the journey, she looks around and goes, everything I needed was always here. I just never saw it before. Yep. And a, an appreciation for it. And the ability to see it. That's the thing. It's kind of like you actually wake up to the fact that the doorway to exit your, your jail cell is open and has been all the time. Yes, that yes, that's such a good analogy. And I, I think of this idea that, you know, being aware, you know, I'm still in the stage, like we're using the grace conversation example today, where I haven't quite gotten to the stage where I stop myself before I react and I subscribe to the old narratives of, you know, wow, this is what you do and this is what you're always doing yeah. and da, 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 da. However, I am at the stage where... I see it as it's like, you know, and as you mentioned, I'm so quick that as it's sort of unfurled itself, I'm like, whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right. And it's really fast with you. It's like, whoop, wait. Right. And I'm like, there it goes. Damn, and that was a stinky one. <laughs> exactly. And it's like a balloon that just kind of goes like, and it needs to like get all the air out. And so I'm at that stage. And, you know, my goal for 2021 was actually to feel more, to feel mm, emotions more. Um, I noticed that I'm able to feel clearly angst or frustration or anger or those things, yeah. but had never really truly explored things like joy and, yes. you know, calm and peacefulness and, and those kinds of things. And it actually has led me to some mindfulness practice and this whole idea of sitting with unease in my belly mm-hmm. and, you know, realizing that it's not it's not going to kill me yes exactly and the feelings aren't going to kill you right yeah. i mean they haven't yet yeah. and goodness knows <laughs> that i have felt them all very hard and and so if i can feel the negative so fully why can't i feel the positive right. equally well you're naming a, a neurological fact and it's like that the people will remember the negative experiences they have uh, with an amplifier. There's sort of like the way we're wired, there's like an amplifier on that. Mm-hmm. And so if you look back at your experiences, the the sharp, harsh ones kind of pop, and the beautiful, soft ones sort of like are the next wave. Right. And that's just a neurolog- neurological fact that we are wired that way. And, it, and that makes it very hard for the yummy experiences to compete in a way. Well, because it, it feels like, and we'll go to a break in a second, but it feels like the reason that you do that is because if something happens, then we're, we're hardwired for fight or flight or whatever it is. So we create a narrative that will protect us next time. Like, mm-hmm. well, we did this and this is what, you know. Yeah, I don't want to feel. I don't want to feel that way yeah. again. And so we have a narrative that will protect us. The problem is as we get older, we maybe don't need that narrative, but we're still clinging to it. Well, right, exactly. And that's where you get into, you know, the value of psychotherapy, of good one, is to help you revisit those stories and recast them from an adult point of view in a way where you're not saying, no, my feelings are wrong or bad, but you kind of embrace them and go, I became who I am as the best solution I had available to me to deal with my life circumstances. Right. Those, I need a different solution now. Yep. You know. Because instead, we we keep walking with the the way we put ourselves together 
when we were when we were eight, nine, twelve, fourteen, whatever, wherever these pivotal moments happen. And then when you're thirty-four, you're still working with those same belief systems, and they're harder to recast because they're wired in now. They're neurologically wired in. And it's very challenging. It takes takes a lot of energy sometimes to reframe those things. Oh, it totally does. Okay, on that note, let's take a quick break. Again, this is Don't Ask Me to Talk. I'm chatting with Brett Hill. Brett Hill. We'll be right back. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacy Heller is many things. Entertaining, yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller, and I am joined today by Brett Hill, who was so good at being mindful, he realized that he needed to use the restroom. So he is taking a short break, which gives me some more time to talk. Uh, I'm going to ask Eric. Eric? Yes. Have you been more mindful? Like, are you more aware of this? Are you finding I mean, you sit here day after day and you listen to people talking about some <laughs> right. of these things. So do you absorb some of this stuff? Absolutely. You, you can't help but not. I mean, it's, it's an interesting um, process to, you know, do you meditate? Are you a meditator? I'm not a meditator, um, but I can see how it would be helpful. So maybe something that I try eventually. I found, so I have a story about that myself, where... I, when I get really overwhelmed, I'll do this thing and I've done it for years and years and years and I didn't know it was a thing. And I would lie on a hardwood floor for some reason because it was, I guess, this idea of being uncomfortable until I could get comfortable. And so I would lie on my hardwood floor and because my mind was reeling with so many things going on, I mean, I like to describe my brain as like a computer with like a million tabs open. And so to quiet my mind... I would lay on the floor and I would start from my toes and I would focus all my energy on getting my toes as comfortable as they could be. And then my leg and my ankle and moving up my body and isolating and moving each part of my body a fraction of an inch or whatever it was to the point where I was really, really comfortable. And my all of my energy and focus was on that. And 
whether it took me five minutes or 50, I have no idea. And to the point where I no longer felt like I was on a hardwood floor. Instead, I could have been on a cloud. And I was in this space where I could, I didn't realize at the time that it was in fact a meditation that I was doing and being present and being mindful about things. That was a really good way for me to do it though. And what's interesting is I had a session with a friend who does Reiki and she's also an intuitive and a psychic. And she, when I was having a Reiki session with her, she said, um, you know, oh, your dad has a message that you should keep doing that thing that you do where you lie on the ground. And I was like, say what? (laughs) Huh? And, you know, like I never did it in front of anybody because, you know, I didn't. But there was a thing. It was a thing and it was totally a thing. And like she knew and I didn't tell anybody about it. You know, it was one of those like I'm going to let my freak flag fly in private. (laughs) And lo and behold, you know, your dad says, keep doing that thing that you do Mm. when you get overwhelmed. And I was like, you know, trying to play coy. And and she's like, the thing where you lie on the ground. (laughs) 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 I was like, okay, so. Anyway, so talking about this idea of mindfulness and meditation, and I was asking Eric, you know, is this something that you do and have you tried it? And at the time that I was doing that, I didn't realize that what I was doing is essentially meditation. It's not a practice that had been taught to me. Um, It's not something that I knew about. And I just knew that I got so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. that it's the only way I could think to stop all of the mind chatter. Yeah, so there's a... This speaks to a principle um, of what uh, I learned in a um, somatic psychology called Hokomi, and one of the, which is a beautiful Indian word, Hopi Indian word that means "What is my relationship to these many realms?" And the beautiful thing about this particular practice is it's based on principles, and one of those principles is organicity. And what it means is that we have within us the knowledge about how to heal. It's sort of this innate DNA. It's mm-hmm. in our DNA. So you said you didn't have to be trained. You just, your your system just responded. Okay, I have stress. What feels good? Mm-hmm. Okay, it feels good. I don't know why, but laying down here feels good. And I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to sit here and breathe for a while and lay down. And I don't know what's happening, but it feels good. I'm going to lean into that. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know, organic sort of mm, impulse is exceptionally useful to to uh, as in, and some people might call it intuition, but, um, but it's the same sort of thing in my view is like when it's, when a flower turns towards the sun, you know, it's mm-hmm. like just wired in. Right. I'm thinking of weirdly. I'm thinking of pregnancy cravings. There you go. And you know that there's certain things that you want, and you know there's always the joke about the ice cream and pickles or whatever it is. However, you know you're your baby or you may need more dairy or you need more protein or you need, you know, more potassium or whatever it is. And your body is telling you what you need more of. Yes. And if you just listen to it instead of override, instead of have a thought about, oh, well, this is stupid. I can't leave. That's that's your judgment. Oh, I can't do that. That's crazy. Who would do that? And you do it and just like, oh, my God, this is the best thing that ever happened. And uh, and just leaning into those things. And when you learn to do more of that or when you do give yourself permission to take those kinds of chances in a way, just to lean into them, you discover that it's pretty good. 
And it works really well. It works really well. <laughs> and, you know, it was such a good entree into that for me. And, you know, then I started doing meditation. Once I started learning about the different types of meditation, I also learned, uh, for me, guided meditation. Mm-hmm. Because of those narratives in my head, um, especially around, for me, interestingly, weight. You know, I would go to bed and and... If I am at a, in a heavy place, then it was like, oh, why did I eat those cookies and mm-hmm. why did I eat them so late? Or conversely, if I was in a place where, you know, I'm trying a diet or something, I was like, I can't wait to eat those 12 and a half almonds. Yeah. You know, I found that both of them are actually really negative self-talk. And yes. so having a guided meditation to fall asleep to that filled my head with positivity and changed the narrative mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. another really powerful form of meditation. Yeah, that's gorgeous uh, thinking, I think, because you're you're... In you're taking control of your inputs, you know, and, and that's another thing I talk about. It's kind of like what, what's, what are you putting into yourself? And if your if your self talk is kind of running in into a negative thread, then you can listen to something that isn't, until that dies down because that will pass. Now those 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 are just bad habits, you know, mm-hmm. neural circuits that are just bad habits. Like oh well, you should and I want and blah, and on. and it like you say it's it does doesn't help because we tend to give more energy to it the more you do it right and so interrupting that in a gentle way without like interrupting it like you get the heck out of here i don't want to have a thought like that again i'm going to banish you from my world right that just creates more resistance and then you develop this relationship with your improvement that you have to constantly be in resistance with yourself right and that's a not a great relationship to have because you can't hold your, yourself at bay in a way. Because you, by by default, you wind up fractionalizing your identities that way. Well, and, you know, I've learned the the importance of, instead of saying yes, but, yes, and. Yes, yes, And yes, how you can have, you know, these two truths that, you know, coexist at the same time. And, yeah. you know, I'm working on language and the power, you know, you talk about the power of language and so, and then the language of mindfulness. Now, besides the fact that you share your message, I know that you're going to be doing a TED talk at some point here in the future. I know you're working on a book. You're working on the second draft that you're hoping to publish. How else do you work with people? So when you say you're a mindfulness coach, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? Is it webinars, one-on-one coaching, groups? Tell me more. Well, right now I'm doing mostly one-on-one coaching in the sense that I'm working on some courses. But I find that my real strength is with people personally. And so it's hard to to digitize that. Mm -hmm. Although I kind of like to. It's sort of like this is my own edge. It's sort of like, well, the market wants this. The market wants that. And... You know, I, in a certain way, I want, I need to conform because that's what the market requires. But another way, I really just like talking to people and being one-on-one with them because then I can vibe into the situation mm-hmm. so much more refined and help people organize and reorient around the things that they need. And it's so peculiar person to person. I mean, I don't mean peculiar, but I mean specific. Mm-hmm. And, and so what... So doing a one-size-fits-all sort of process is kind of goes against the grain with me. So just, you know, if I can just get someone on the phone, I can help them. And that's, that's the thing, usually. It's similar to the work that I do with Stacy Connects. And when people ask me what I do, because the show is not my living. The show mm-hmm. is my way of having an hour to talk <laughs> every week. And, um, you know, with my business, 
I am, it's so hard to describe what I do because mm. intuition is such a big part of what I do. And so when people are looking for definitives, you know, well, I help you with your branding. Well, yes, I do. Or, you know, oh, I help you with yeah. this. Well, yes, I do. And I remember when we were just, we were, you were just discovering this in a way mm-hmm. and like really stepping into it. And it's really beautiful to see how you've taken this and run with it. Well, and it's, it's something that, you know, I, I've become more comfortable with acknowledging what a, what a big part of my business this intuition is. Mm-hmm. And that really, um, I'm a conduit. Yeah. And, you know, that it is ultimately holding up a mirror to people's potential and saying, like, look what I see. Yes. Like, yeah. look what you could see, too. And, you know, <laughs> and you're doing that with them on a personal level. And I, you know, I'm doing that with them more on a professional level, if you will. And, yeah. you know, holding up the mirror. And if people could get out of that, that language of, you know, past narratives and be more mindful, be more present, be more forgiving and gentle with themselves. Yes, exactly. And and it can happen. It's just that there are so many obstacles along the way that are generally, like we mentioned before, just kind of bad habits. And it takes uh, a coach or or some external force often to kind of uh, put a spotlight on things that are in your field of awareness, but you're not, you're not landing on as important like very frequently somebody will say something in passing that jumps at me like I'm like oh my god they really need to be focusing on this or mm-hmm. in my experience this is like a real resource for them um one of the first things i do with people is i help them identify their their resources um like you mentioned your intuition mm-hmm. uh, the people might say you know well i you know i'm i'm living in a world where i feel really anxious and nervous and because oh, okay so what what do you light up about? What, what wags your tail? Yeah. What what makes you smile automatically? And then help people find the things in their world that are easy that they can relate to positively. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, when you're really mindful and present, every moment is amazing. And uh, there's a that's kind of going you know into the core of kind of being, if you will, because there's no conditions on it, and that's. But I'm not starting with that. I'm not trying to take you to, oh, my God, you're going to live in nirvana. Right. Just it can be as good as, oh, look at the beautiful clouds. Look at the sunset. Look at the flowers in your life. Look mm-hmm. at the faces in your life. And let yourself have an extra moment or two of goodness with that spontaneous beauty mm-hmm. that you encounter. And by saying yes to that, by practicing consciously mm-hmm. saying yes to that, you learn to say yes to goodness wherever you encounter it. That automatically translates, winding up translates to people as well. And your profession. And unfortunately, we've got to wrap up. Um, but what people don't realize is that when you unlock this, even though it feels like it's a personal practice, when you have room to see good and see possibility, it absolutely affects you professionally. Absolutely. So absolutely. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go? Languageofmindfulness.com. Okay. It's a lot to say, but you can Google it as well. Languageofmindfulness.com. My webpage, and there's a there's a link there for a beginning meditation um, that you can uh, start a practice with. And there's a link there for a free coaching session as well. Awesome. Make sure that you take advantage of that. And thank you, Brett. 
Oh, thank you. It's been so fun. I love spending time with you. Thank you, Eric. I always appreciate your help and humor. <laughs> and next week, I am joined by Brooke Kennedy of Sweet Bee Hair and Skin Lounge. She is a master esthetician, and she is the expert behind the Between Two Cheeks podcast that I have been talking about so much. Mm-hmm. So we're getting the band back together, and we'll tell you all about the podcast and what she does. Yay. In the meantime, stay connected, not close. Have a great week, everyone. Yeah. 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 Yeah.